it was really hard to get that model to change, to get anybody to pay attention um, that, hey, this is really broken. Um, this is not the way people get information anymore. And you're assuming that people should just trust you when they don't know who you are. They don't know where you're coming from. They don't know why you're saying what you're saying. And they might not view you as a member of their community. And you might not be a member of their community. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Um, I have a great guest in the building today. Uh, he's the CEO of the Public Good Project and now the Public Good Network, which I'm excited to learn more about that as well. We have Dr. Joe Smizer. Dr. Smizer, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you know, um, before we get into the topic at hand, you know, how about you tell the people a little bit about yourself and um, what kind of gets you up in the morning? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so my my PhD is in public health and uh, my my master's is as well. So I've, I've been in public health for a long time, about 20 years. And my focus has always been on health communications, which is is more about how do you communicate public health topics or science to um, to the public? Um, so that's what I'm passionate about. I, I read about it. It gets me up in the morning and um, I pay attention to it and it puts me to sleep at night. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm very lucky because I really like what I do. And I know not everybody gets to gets to do that. So I, I feel like my job is is also my, my passion and my calling. Um, I've been at, at PGP, um, uh, Public Good Projects, for uh, just about six years. And we've grown a lot during that time. We're about we're about 70 people, um, all, all, all told. And we're headquartered in New York City uh, with uh, our administration uh, office in, in Washington, D.C. But we're spread all over because of the pandemic. We haven't had an office in quite a while. And um, so a lot of our right. staff are all over the U.S. But uh, I'm not uh, moved around a lot, lived abroad, lived, lived all over the, the U.S. Uh, and uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that, that pretty much sums me up. <laughs> Right. I mean, and it, it's a good thing that you really enjoy what you do, because from what it sounds like with the with PGP, you guys are tackling a lot of challenging issues that I feel like some people would lose a lot of sleep over. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Public Good Project and, you know, what you guys are the challenges you guys um, are facing and trying to battle right now? Well, we're we're led by people who have a background in in public health. So so usually they've worked in that field for uh, for a number of years, like like myself. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also got uh, journalists um, on staff and um, some marketing and communications people. Um, a pretty big research team. So these are people who are coming from a university setting. Uh, experience, you know, writing peer-reviewed scientific articles and and doing those sorts of studies, and and then uh, a whole creative 
uh, team. So people who know how to make videos and animation and illustrations um, and designs. So we all work together um, across those teams to um, to create um, simple, easy to understand, and hopefully uh, entertaining, uh, interesting um, ways of getting important health information to um, to different populations, different different communities. Um, so we work all over the U.S., um, but we also work abroad too. We're UNICEF's uh, partner in um, all over the world and oh, wow. helping communities um, and UNICEF country offices and a whole bunch of different countries um, understand what's going on um, across social media and across television and, and radio. So we look for, are there gaps in people's understanding um, around important topics like polio outbreaks or COVID-19 vaccines or um, really, really just about everything under that umbrella of public health, which is a lot of stuff, uh, opioids, for example. Right. Um, so we pay attention to what are people seeing, uh, what are people saying, what do the health experts want people to know and understand, and maybe uh, what's the gap between what they think people ought to know and what people um, currently understand or are currently exposed to. And oftentimes we come in and we we build a bridge between those two. So uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a fun job because it, you know it's although it's always around public health, um, the methods that we use uh, change a lot depending upon um, the community that we're that we're trying to serve. Um, so it's every day is a little bit different, which keeps it interesting and, and fun. Right. I, I can only imagine how to provide critical information through through TikTok, which which I feel like would be maybe have its challenges, but pretty interesting. You, you know what I mean? Recently, I know you've talked about a lot of the different public health issues and things you guys are tackling, but the most most current one, I'm sure, and I'm sure probably the one that you've been dealing with the most as of lately has been the COVID-19 pandemic. What, you know, what did COVID-19 or this pandemic, what did it expose about, you know, how people receive information and what were some of the challenges as you're trying to figure out to get people the, the correct information? I think if we're talking about in the U.S., I think we knew this before the pandemic hit, but I think it exposed it in much, much more clear detail, much more graphic detail um, that the way we've set up public health in, in this country is, is really backwards. We, we have this legacy in the U.S. of uh, top down. So there's people who go to school for public health or, or some science degree, and then they go work for a federal government agency that, that focuses on public health or a state health department or a local health department. Um, and they're all of your training. If you're one of those people is okay, I'm going to have my talking points and those talking points are going to be approved by a PR person. And then I'm going to stand in front of an American flag and mm -hmm. I'm going to give you my talking points. And then I just expect you to, to listen and do what I say. Um, that's a really antiquated idea. Of, of how humanity functions. And so I think, I think a lot of us knew that, but we, it was really hard to get that model to change, to get anybody to pay attention um, that, Hey, this is really broken. Um, this is not the way people get information anymore. And you're assuming that people should just trust you when they don't know who you are. They don't know where you're coming from. They don't know why you're saying what you're saying. And they might not view you as a member of their community, and you might not be a member of their community. 
Mm. And there's a lot of other people that um, actually know a lot more than than you do about, about what people need to know and where they're at. Um, and those people should act, they, those people should be given a lot more authority um, and a lot more um, uh, trust and power than um, than they have been. And I, and I, so I think that again, like that was kind of understood. Like there's people who work, for example, in community health who go door to door, like public health nurses or um, promotoras in Spanish speaking communities, and mm-hmm. um, they're they're badasses. I mean, the, the, they are they should be the most respected people in public health, but they're often not. They're often uh, sort of disregarded because they they're walking down streets and they're they're using their own shoe leather to work right. with people every day. Um, and the people who got most of the notoriety were the people who had the privilege of standing in front of that American flag and, and talking like to a, um, to a television crew. Um, and so I think the whole thing flipped during the, during the pandemic and, um, this, this myth of the best way to communicate health to people and what, and essential information to people got turned on its head. And everybody really couldn't claim that the, that what we were doing worked any anymore, which which I actually think it's great. If you look at who should be involved in in figuring out what communities need, it's the community. <laughs> um, you know, it's right. community organizations, it's community leaders, um, and they. In my experience, you know, like I said, I've worked in public health for twenty years. <clears throat> They're not often at the table. They're not often um, invited to to be at that at that table, and they often aren't leading the conversation. Um, and and they should be. They should not only be at the table. They should be leading it. Um, so I might know what the science says about what people should know about COVID nineteen vaccines, for example, um, or or flu shots or wh- whatever the topic may be. That's not enough. I, I then need to go and talk to um, faith leaders and community leaders and community organizers. And I need to 90% of the strategy to reach people should come from them, um, not from, from me. Um, and that, uh, that just wasn't done uh, b- b- before the pandemic. Um, there's little instances, l- little good examples of where it's done, mostly from community health, which is this little underfunded part of public health. Yeah. Um, but but now I think it's obvious uh, uh, that that's that that's where we need to where we need to get to. So it's kind of the silver lining of the misery of of this whole pandemic. My worry now is that we're going to backslide. Um, you know, like Americans are have notoriously short memories, and I already kind of see it where those community organizations and those community leaders that were involved that that were allowed to be involved were brought in. Um, are now suddenly not being invited as often as as they were, and um, that I think that's not good. And, and I and I really hope people don't allow it to happen. Um, right, you know, like almost almost seen as thank you for your participation in this little project that that we're running. Let us now now we're going to start doing some other things where the other things that they're trying to focus on, the people in the community can still be involved with and probably know more about the behavior of that community than someone outside of that. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Or you, you saw it with like, you see it every day with, with trust. There's really good reasons for, for a lot of communities in the, in the, in the U S not to trust the government and and not to trust, you know, quote scientists, really, really good reasons. Um, And those have to be validated um, before a conversation can even start. Um, And that takes work and, you know, and trust building. And, uh, 
and, and a, what we saw a lot before the pandemic was just a, a lack of interest in putting in the work um, to, to build that trust. Um, it wasn't built into program plans, for example. They didn't even build in time to have meetings with community members. You know, it, it just wasn't part of the funding cycle. It, it, it just right. wasn't how everybody thought about this work. So I, I really, really hope that we that we don't go go back to that. Um, and I, it's been interesting. You know, what we saw, what we've seen so far is, you know, civic organizations and their job was getting people registered to vote. They had to pivot and they had to get people vaccinated. They had to get people the information and they, they changed their whole organization uh, to, to do that or, or churches, like all of right. a sudden they became vaccination centers. And now what I see at least is, all of those people that did that, all those organizations want to stay involved. Um, you know, it's been three years of, of doing that work and they, they see the power of it um, and how they could help people. And then I, I do see a little bit of like, you know, the, the people who, who think that they own um, that, that, that aren't in community organizations that are more on the government mm-hmm. side or they kind of want to go back to business as, as normal, as usual, because it's easier. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just... That, that's not the way to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. And, and it goes back to what you said earlier is, is that trust factor. I feel like a lot of these community-based organizations and these collaborations worked really well because it's harder to trust someone. It's hard for someone who's white to go into a black community and say, hey, trust me. They, they would much rather trust someone they know who may not have the may not have the correct information. That's where, you know, my, my next question, you know, goes is, or my next question is, is how do you, how do you battle that? How do you, how does, which is a term that I just learned, the infodemic, you know, oh, how yeah. does that, yeah. How, how has that, you know, what are your thoughts on that? How's that contributed to, you know, misinformation in some of these, you know, underserved populations and communities? Well, well, first I would just want to say like, there's been so much focus on, and I understand why, but there's been a lot of focus and and talking in the in the media and other places around, yeah, like okay, okay, there's a white public health person or a white scientist coming into like a like a black community or a or Hispanic community, and and they're not listened to, and um, how do we mitigate that? How do we work around that? But I, every time I hear that, I'm that's true. Okay. That, that happens, but it's, um, not really that different than, um, any community. If I'm working okay. in Appalachia and I come in and I'm from Washington, DC, why would anyone trust me or, or believe what I have to say? I'm not from there. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know how it works. Right. Um, that's just sort of human nature. I think the difference is that black and brown communities have experienced horrific things happening uh, to them for hundreds of years. Right. So the guard's um, already up to begin with. Yeah. The guard's already up. Yeah. Um, as it should be. So I think the part of it's just like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be nice if, if there was no uh, structural racism <laughs> or no, no, like, you know, the, yeah, th- that's not real. Yeah. Of um, yeah. <laughs> we got to account for it. So, but the, the infodemic's interesting, you know, um, it's scary, but it, it's intellectually, it's interesting. What happened when the pandemic hit, all information about anything about the pandemic just shot through the roof. So like nobody I knew in 2019 or earlier could tell me who manufactured the vaccine that they got. Mm. <laughs> no, nope. why? I got the flu shot. Okay. I don't, couldn't tell you the company that made it. Right. Um, it didn't matter. 
But now, like everybody knows, the the name of the company who made their COVID nineteen shot, you know, it was a um, thing. Like, who did yours? Moderna. Yeah, mm, yeah. interesting. That's like, wild. What do you know about Moderna? <laughs> do I really care? I, yeah, I, yeah. It was just interesting. So I I don't think we're ever going to go back from that. Now, I mean, now people know mm. the names of, of, of all those companies and um, how much money they got and 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 their research processes. And that's I think that's actually pretty cool that that we all uh, it's on on our minds now. I w- but. When all of the information uh, spiked, like, okay, what do quarantines mean? What do what do mandates mean? Vaccine passports, is that real? Um, all that stuff that we all think about all the time now. What came along with that was all the the bad information also went up. What was it like a really small little group of people before the pandemic that were incentivized for their own reasons to spread bad information, which researchers now call misinformation. They got a lot more powerful because the demand for their product increased. Their product is, is um, conspiracy theories, myths, you know, um, and, and they, be- they, they became much more prominent. So they got a lot more views on their, on their videos on social media. They got, they start, you know, the little documentaries that they make um, suddenly got a million views. The books that they wrote that no one bothered to read now are like bestsellers on, on Amazon. And so I think all that, just kind of made this perfect storm of, okay, well, that stuff's finding me now, whether I want to look for it or not, it's just everywhere. And then there was also like a lot of disingenuous leveraging of historical trauma and and current trauma. Um, So anti-vaxxers, white nationalists, anti-government people, they all latched on, they all saw that vaccines, for example, or reactions to our response to a pandemic were really um, polarizing. Um, and so they saw, all right, well, that's going to get me more clicks. That's going to get me more attention. I'm going to stop focusing on all these other talking points I was I was using for, in 2019. And I'm just going to talk about vaccines. I'm just going to talk about the trauma inflicted on black and brown communities by um, unethical, immoral scientists or, or government agencies. And that's all I'm going to talk about now. And so, and then they started showing up to Black Lives Matter uh, uh, walks and marches, um, and 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 trying to get people interested in, in their in their cause, and their cause. And so, all that's kind of exploded now, and and now it's uh, much bigger than it used to be. It's much more coordinated. They have much more money. They have much more power. A lot of their talking points are the talking points of one of the two parties in our two party political system. You know, the whole the whole thing has changed. So mm-hmm. it's not a niche movement anymore. It's now a it's now a, a highly coordinated um, information machine, and a lot of that information is not true. Uh, it, just done for own, for their own purposes. I think if you combine that with everybody's trying to find out what's real, and and just understandable confusion and and concern, it is that kind of that maelstrom of like like that cyclone of I don't really I can't even tell anymore you know, what, what to believe you add that to like, this is a new, a new disease in a, in a new pandemic. We're learning new stuff every month and how that's how science works. Unfortunately, you know, uh, adapt and overcome constantly. And so you look at talking points used by health leaders or government leaders six months ago, and they're totally different than, than they are now. And it just, if you're confused already, it just looks like nobody knows what they're doing. Um, there's no truth <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> um, and so I'm just going to listen to whatever, you know, whatever, my, what my neighbor's saying, <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> why not? 
I totally get that. It actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't think there's actually a good answer. I, I think we're still figuring out what do we do about this. So the infodemic just means a massive amount of information about a disease or about a health topic. That's all that means. Misinformation means information that isn't true, spreading around. And then there's this other term called disinformation, which means I know that it isn't true, but I'm sharing it anyway for my own purposes. So mm. all three of those things collided that and happens. together all the time. Yeah. Oh my oh gosh. Yeah. Every, every minute of every day. Um, we have these, these, so we measure all this stuff. Um, so we have these charts that show like, all right, well, here's all the stuff that wasn't true about, you know, vaccines, for example, 2019, 2020 March hits and it's just, shoot, it just and it hasn't gone down since it's just huge exponential it's and it's overwhelming and it's hard to even wrap your head around what do you do about it? And it's not just in the US, it's every country that we're in is dealing with the same stuff. It's people are really concerned and they're really confused and they just want to know what to do. They're not trying to hurt anybody. Um, they're, you know, they just want the truth. And right. it's just really, really hard to tell um, wh where that truth is. Yeah, because depending on where you get your information, you could be talking to someone that really looks like they know what they're talking about. And you can, you're like, but you, going that extra mile, most people just won't do it because like, oh, well, he, he looks trustworthy. He looks the part and he's everything he's saying to me makes sense. So I'm just going to, going to roll with it. Even if you may not still really know. Yeah. Or like, I, I completely agree. It, it, and to build on that example, it, it, it's also like, okay, so there's a, a doctor or there's a reporter who says something, maybe I would know as, as Joe Smizer that, that, that there were things that don't make sense. in what I just heard, okay, I've been in public health for 20 years. That's not your average person. So I'm, I'm your average person is just seeing that. And then they want to do their own research. So they go and they click the links, for example, that come along with what that person said, but all those links are cherry picked. So they're, they're going down this rabbit hole of like, everything is confirming the bias of the thing that I just read. It's really, really hard. And it takes a lot of time to go say, okay, that doesn't totally ring true. I'm going to find a completely different set of information and I'm going to compare the two. And over the, over time, I'm going to figure out where, where reality is in, in the middle. That's really complicated actually to, to do. And usually for most people, it takes someone training you how to do it. And also it takes time. And who has that time? Who has five hours every day to go, to go examine all the, like, no, that's right. not realistic. I got to figure this out. Yeah, I got 30 seconds the news. That's, re that's reality. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. It's really complicated. Yeah. So, you know, what are, I mean, with that said, my, what, where can someone go? Like if someone wants to know the truth, are there trusted websites? Are there trusted, I mean, are there trusted places that someone can go to where they can feel comfortable that this is appropriate information for me to um, consume? Well, I, I think that, so I think that like your major news sites are still, are, are still reputable. Um, I, I think because, because they do have teams of people who you know, they'll get fired if, if what they write isn't true. So that, so right. they're incentivized. There's, I still think that the federal government, the state government sites are, are accurate. They're slow to be updated though. And they don't have all the information most people need. You know, if I want the basics of vaccines, I'll, I can go to CDC's website, but CDC isn't built to be like 
minute by minute update. It's not a news organization. Oh, it's just right. Basic information. That's it. And that's, that's what they do more and more. I, I think the solution is all of those old sources of information are still important. I, st- I really believe in community organizations and I, and, and I really believe in these organizations that were built or gained a lot of importance because of the pandemic the Black Nurses Association, for example, like there's organizations like that where these are people who they are doing it for the right reasons. They know what they're talking about. They know the needs of their community that they're that they're serving, and they're they're doing all the work of going through all that information and then distilling it down. And here's what you need to know. Um, and they're really active, and they're active on social media, and they're like doing talks all the time. And and there's organizations of churches that are doing the same thing, and it, and I it, small business associations are doing it. All that, all of that kind of work, I think, is actually where most people should go for for their information, and I think already have been for the last two and a half years or, or so. But yeah, I, I think it's in some ways it's it's simple. In some ways, it's what it always has been. Okay, well, who? Who's just trying to give me information and not for their own purposes? You know, what, what's their stake in this? Well, it actually is just their job to give good information. And okay, great. Well, I can probably trust them. And then if it's like, how does this affect me as, as a person in my own community in real life? I think there's a lot of organizations now who are out there that should be trusted. They might be wrong one out of 50 times, but that's still a good, really good ratio. And that's, I, they deserve the trust. And it, that kind of reflects also like just sort of the media landscape in general. There's so much, there's so much out there. You, we have to pick and choose what streaming movie or television show we watch, what blog we, we, we read, what podcast we listen to. It's just unfortunately part of the process of being an adult now is just right. going through and going like, all right, well, these are good for me. These give me the information that I need and I trust where this is coming from. And they're not trying to manipulate me or, you know, everything isn't a breaking news alert every 30 seconds. You know, it's just like, this seems like it's a measured, responsible way of giving me information. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's what right. I do. <laughs> right. That's, that's awesome. So um, you, we, you know, we have the public good project and now we have, which I don't know if it's been a couple months or if it's how recent it is, but the public good network, uh, what's the difference with the, with the, with those two, you know, are there more similarities than differences? Well, so, so PGN public good news, but we just call it news. PGN. Sorry. It's, news. Not network. Oh no, no, it's fine. Um, it just launched. So, uh, I haven't even said it out loud that many times. Uh, (laughs) BGN BGN is, yeah, about two months old. The idea there is community organizations, I think, are the way forward. I'm really, really worried Mm -hmm. about the state of our country. It's really hard for me to be optimistic about it. I just feel a lot of um, anxiety about the future of our country. And I feel like a lot of the progress we were making in talking about race and ethnicity and um, truth and accountability, the progress we made in in women's rights and uh, voting rights and the huge issues that should be like the, at the core of our country. I feel like we're backsliding on all those. Uh, that's how it feels to me. And I feel like more and more people are like uh, the sources of information that we get are forcing us to be further and further away from each other in a really disingenuous, gross way ways to consolidate power. So I, I feel like PGN is, is not the answer to that, but if we're looking at just health, which has become this polarizing topic 
if you believe in vaccines or you don't, or, or you like think the CDC is worth existing or you don't, that's like your whole identity now. It's part of mm-hmm. who you are as a person, unfortunately. We, it doesn't seem like we can have conversations about these things anymore. So, so what PGN does is it looks for all the community organizations out there that are doing good work um, for the right reasons and that have a legacy in their community. They've earned that trust. A lot of those community organizations don't have a health person on their team. They're small and and they because ha- they have to be. They don't have a lot of funding. They have right. to be nimble. And so what PGN does is it gives them health news based on what they tell us they want. So they tell us what their community needs to know, what they're hearing on the streets. Then we give them the news and that news gets um, posted through their social media accounts and, and in other ways, like their newsletters, the, the way that they communicate. And that's it. In a, in a nutshell, it's it's just an attempt to use trusted voices, trusted messengers, and have and have that feedback loop really critically where they say, here is what we need to know. And then we give them that instead of us just deciding what they need to know. And then if you scale that up, which you can do with technology these days, you yeah. scale it up, you can, you can do that for thousands of, of community organizations. And my hope is that that's a really different way of doing the news. And it's not it's not super flashy. It's not divisive. It, we don't have breaking news alerts every 30 seconds. We're not covering the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial. You know, it's just, <laughs> we're just giving people <laughs> basic information um, that they need to know because, and we know that because they told us and then, you know, and then we're done. Like that was our job for the day. I'm excited about it because we, because we piloted it with Rockefeller uh, a Foundation. So we did it. We've already done it in a number of communities and the community organizations we worked with said it was great. Um, and it really helped. So, so we took that and then we, we built it into a bigger thing. PGP is a public health nonprofit and PGN is under PGP. So PGN has its own team, its own funding. It does what it does independently. And then there's the public good projects, which is out there. They don't do anything other than public health, but they're not a news organization. PGN's a news organization. Right. So being that even though it's not going to be a, it's not a huge solution, but it's a solution to help those communities that that need good information. Yeah, I, we were looking at it. We just more and more. I just felt like I don't think the answer is another television station. Um, I, I I think the answer is empowering the people who've shown through their work that they deserve to be uh, who people turn to, and, and they need to be empowered uh, to to continue to do that. I didn't care if PGN became this huge famous news organization. Um, I cared about. Can we be in the background and just give the people who are in the front lines um, what they need to do to do their jobs uh, better? Um, and, and that that is what excites me about it, is those community organizations saying, this is great. Can you give, we want more of it. Like, that's awesome. I, I, I don't need, you know, a television commercial <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying, GN. Um, it's, <laughs> right. you know, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it's, right. No, that's great. That's great. You know, um, Joe, th- again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I want to be mindful of your time, but I, I really appreciate the the conversation. Anybody that's listening that wants to learn more about you, PGP or PGN, uh, where can they where can they find you? Well, so uh, so if they go to Public Good Projects, our website. Um, so it's they can Google Public Good Projects. It's the first thing that comes up. Publicgoodprojects.org is our is our website, and then PGN has a website too. So you can just Google PGN, and it'll it'll bring you there. There's social media accounts and a website, and there's it's it's a news website, um, and that would be great. I mean, 
yeah, it, it will help us out the more, the more attention we get. But again, I think we're, it, we're, we're not doing it for, for that kind of attention. Um, we're not asking for donations from anybody. It, it's funded by foundations and, and, and groups like that. So we don't take donations from people, from individuals. It's, it, it's more about if you can trust your local community organization, that, that's where I would ask people to, to spend their time. You don't need to go to PGP's website. Go to, go to the websites you already know and trust. Awesome. Awesome. And I don't know why I asked that question because I always put the links in the description. Oh, I put it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a habit to ask. It's like they're going to be in the description anyway, but like it's just it's it's just that habit. Well, Joe, again, thank you so much for being on. I I really truly appreciate the conversation, and I learned something. Um, and everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project podcast. Uh, I'll let you next time. <laughs>